can't. How how do you pronounce your name? So, um, Shireen. Shireen, okay. And then the last name I always tell people, it's like Al Gore. Gore. Okay. And somebody named Bonnie. Gore Bonnie. Gore Bonnie. <laughs> Al Gore Bonnie. Al Gore Bonnie. <laughs> exactly. So, I love that. And like, you've heard of like Gore. Yes. So it's, um, if, if we were Iranian, we would say it differently. Right? How would you say it? So it's more like the, do you know those like guttural sounds? Like the, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So it would be one of those. The oh, GH okay. is like. Khorbani? Yeah, Khorbani. Yeah, I can't even do it because oh, it's mostly intense. I was raised in North Dakota. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, tell us. They don't do sh- those guttural Shireen. sounds in North Dakota? No, they don't. Are um, you, I don't know. <laughs> Shireen is a little bit more like Shireen. Oh. But, um, yeah, but I've always just been Shireen. Interesting. You know what's funny? Like, I don't know how this has happened, but you're the second American Irani, Irani, Iranian, Irani, Iranian. Yeah. On the podcast. Whoa, who is yeah, the other that? Yeah, that is true. Arash Tajiki. Oh, wow. Mm hmm. Yeah. And uh, just, I always laugh because you have to know this about Arash. He was actually like. It's very. He, odd. He, lit, he grew up in Australia. Yeah. But then he immigrated here September 10th, 2001. One. Yeah. Oh rough. Yeah. yeah, that was <laughs> rough that was a hard go for him yeah. at the very beginning. But yeah, small yeah. world. I yeah. didn't know there was such an Iranian presence here. Presence actually. here. There is. There's actually a lot of. Um, there were a number of students that came to you, to Logan. Is that you? I always mm-hmm. USU. USU. Mm-hmm. Yes, to USU in the seventies that were mm. from Iran. So like a, a number of engineering students, mm. and it's also interesting. I've actually never been to Iran and don't have a lot of connections to that part of my family. But they um, say, like, Iranians tell me that Tehran really looks like this. Like, there's a city right up against the mountains. Oh, wow. And so there's some, like, geographic elements that are interesting. Yeah. This is familiar. Oh, that's really cool. That is awesome. Excuse me. Well, Cory makes me burp. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to other people's <laughs> stories. I'll start that one. Yeah, out. it's on usually it. Elizabeth, you. but I think you needed a second. I needed a minute. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Well, I mean, I'm really excited for our guest, mm-hmm, uh, Shireen. Yes. Gorbani. Nailed it. Hey. <laughs> um. So, just give us a brief overview of who you are, what you're about. Whoa, okay. Um, so, yes, I'm Shireen. I'm excited to be with you. It's always fun to share stories. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a communications person at heart, and I think there's a lot that goes into kind of thinking about the power of stories. So I'm mm-hmm. really excited about this podcast and the opportunity yeah. to talk a little with you. So basically, who am I? I um, well, I was a North Dakotan before I was a Utahan. Um, I am a... Person who is a tireless advocate for expanding access to healthcare. Love it. And yeah. that really led me into um, some pretty big political decisions over the last five years. Yeah. Um, and now it's actually led me into a line of work that I could not be more proud of um, mm-hmm. in uh, in healthcare, mm-hmm. really working on the community health side yeah. to try to reduce our uninsured population in Utah. Yeah. yeah. And this is important to me for many reasons, which I'm happy to talk about yeah. as we kind of get into it. But um, I would say really at the core of a big part of my identity these days is just to really fight for that access to healthcare. Um, yeah. So that's that's a core part of me. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of other things I do. I'm a mom. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, wow. I, How many little, kiddos? Just one little guy. Oh, He's nice. Six. Yeah. 
um, a partner to a teacher. Nice. Um, I am a uh, occasional DJ. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. That's cool. So I do that uh, here and there. That's wow. cool. Um, but mostly, I would say I'm just a person who's very passionate about seeing the political landscape in Utah align with some of the core needs that I heard as a person campaigning across big sections of the state, but also yeah. just as a person who, like I, when you start to talk about healthcare or access to healthcare, it's really hard to go very far without hearing about somebody else's experience yeah. Yeah. that can be truly devastating um, when it comes to what happens to families or individuals after one diagnosis or one accident. Yeah. Know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's me. Yeah. Well, awesome. I mean, that was like essentially the best start to a I podcast. I have a awesome. car payment. That's, uh, yeah, that's about that as going. far as we go. Um, just kidding. I have I subscriptions. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's really cool. I, I did notice on your Twitter you had said something about the mobile health clinic. Yeah. Um, and what was really interesting is my aunt actually did a lot of work for the mobile health clinic before she passed away. Mm-hmm. And access to health care was so important to her. So it's just, it's oh, kind wow. of funny because I reached out to you because I voted for you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I would love to meet her and like talk to her and hear her story. Obviously, we want, we wanted you on. And then obviously, I was like, let's Google you know, see what she's up to now, yes. you know, she's no longer running for Congress. That's right. What was your aunt's name? Laura Pexton. I don't know if yeah. you met. No, but just a no. shout out to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I saw that you were doing that and I was like, oh shit, Laura was, was doing that <laughs> a that while fight. ago. Yeah. 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 So, um, what have you found with like the uninsured population yeah. when you go in the mobile health clinic? Like, what is it that you do? Yeah, so Mobile Health Clinic is really, um, was just a component of a recent event that I participated in. Oh, cool. So um, to give you a sense of my day-to-day world, so I, I work in, at Intermountain Healthcare. Oh, okay. And it, at Intermountain, right, the kind of core guiding philosophy is really to help people live the healthiest lives possible. And a big part of that is understanding access to healthcare. Mm-hmm. Right? right, yeah. So I would say I can step back and tell you even more about that experience as a person who really got radicalized around the the way that healthcare works in this country in two, in 2016 when I lost my mom to pancreatic cancer. Yeah. And in that experience, right, saw how incredibly lucky we were, honestly. She'd been underinsured her whole life. Um, we I grew up without health insurance. So as a single mom, she worked in a in a school that either didn't offer healthcare or it was too expensive. You know, right. she needed those extra yeah. dollars in her paycheck. And so we like I remember nights when I would have earaches, and she had done a little work in nursing school before she decided to go into education. So she had some kind of, you know, yeah. savvy in the space. But I remember being like having conversations with her about if we really needed to go to urgent care or if it was something that we could just wait out. And right. Yeah. Those kinds of conversations, in my case, were lucky because it was ear infections. Right? right. But we know that for other families, it's things like, you know, cancer, ex- cancer, yeah. extreme fatigue, a bump, yeah. like all, you know, a lump. Even yeah. in some cases, you know, could be broken bones. Yeah, right? like car Families accident. Families don't know if they can afford to take their kid in, right? Yeah. And it's not just families. Obviously, individuals struggle with this as well. But it's just really, for me, kind of growing up in that framework, I understood, you know, the kinds of tough decisions that my mom was making yeah. around my own health 
and never even thought about her health, right? right yeah. <laughs> um, but um, later in life, you know, she she ultimately actually went on, got a PhD, was teaching oh, at the nice. local college, but she had turned. 68 she was 68 so she at 65 got on medicare oh and because of that when she was diagnosed um you know and things went really quickly for us unfortunately like pancreatic cancer is a real ripper if you yeah don't catch it early which most people don't so for us in that span of just three months many families who are uninsured especially with something as catastrophic as that right can lose everything yeah and that became for me just unacceptable in the richest right. country on earth. Yeah, yes. it is. Yes. It truly oh. is. Yeah. <laughs> like the fact that you, like we still are like the number one in bankruptcy caused by medical bills. Like, yeah, it's kind of sad. The fact that medical bills count against people's credit right. is... That's wild. It's, it's wild. wild. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. And it's also just like, that is how we're doing it here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And I would say that was something that I found... So I decided to see what I could do, right? So I was yeah. like, I'm going to run for office because yeah. I'm so mad. I love that. <laughs> and um, I will say it was like an incredible experience and I would recommend to anybody who's thinking about doing it because you don't really have the opportunity. There are very few roles in this world where you have the opportunity to go door to door. I actually knocked on hundreds of doors in this neighborhood mm. and talk to people and just say, you know, do you feel like, do you feel like this is working for you? Like, yeah. do you feel like supported the person who's representing you in Washington is fighting for you or even here, you know, like, do you yeah. feel like your representatives are fighting for you? Yeah. And specifically on the issue of healthcare across party lines, people with Trump flags in their yards, people who were, you know, at the time, it was the midterm, so 2018, mm. um, very excited. I mean, I can see like some of the vestiges, there are some of those signs that are still around here. You know, you're yeah. coming up on a liberal house. Yeah. But from the entire, across the entire political spectrum, people believe and understand fundamentally that our healthcare system is broken. Yeah. So I'm really proud to be part of an organization that is working in very tangible ways to try to reduce the cost and increase access, but mm-hmm. it's going to take an entire shift to yeah. see what I want to see. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. What would you ideally want to see 100% insured? Would you want like, because I think you brought up something interesting, like your mother became fully insured when she was on Medicare. A socialized yeah. medicine plan. Yeah, which she paid into for her whole yes. life. Right? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of where I'm like, hear me out. <laughs> Medicare for all. I don't know. I don't know if anyone's it branded could, that. It could be a thing. <laughs> it could be a thing. It could be a thing. Someone should take notes. <laughs> Taxes. This is a radical new idea. Probably no one's done it before. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Innovative. So I am, you know, personally an advocate for. Um, Really, any system that's going to get us there as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. I believe baby steps. Well, would be I believe than... in Medicare for all. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I also understand that the way that our system and structure works, we I will take any opportunity I can get to see that number of uninsured Utahns, for example, in this state, it's about three hundred thousand people uninsured, uninsured, oh, and gosh. about eighty five thousand of them are children. Ah. Okay. I would t- I would do I would take any steps, and I I'm proud that I get to spend my days trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. yeah. Because many of those kids, for example, should be covered through CHIP or Medicaid. We also have um, a huge number of that population that now um, can access something on the marketplace, right? Right. That would be quite affordable. And I don't, I just truly know that people don't know. Right. And I can tell you this because if you're, you know, following along on Instagram, I talk about this a lot. I have a small but very dedicated group that's interacting in that space and people who are very informed, who follow the news, who care about local politics, 
didn't know that that enrollment period, you know, extended. We've got open enrollment coming again mm. soon. They didn't understand that this administration had provided significant support to reduce the cost of getting on a plan yeah. on the marketplace. People just don't know because our system is so daunting and so confusing. Yeah. And it's, it's confusing for me. It's confusing yeah. and there is no education around it. There's no real way for like the government to inform us on what the hell we're even supposed to be looking at. Like they didn't, they, there is nothing like that right now. So I can imagine that for these families, it's even more daunting than for like us who we already have health insurance, but we should probably know every like the ins and outs of the rest of it. But for them, I, I can't imagine that. So where do they go? Is it like a website that they would go to? Yeah. yeah. So there are a couple options, right? So as we head into open enrollment, which is usually um, opens November 15th, right? So coming up not too far from now. Um, so individuals can do a few things. They can call 211. So that's the oh, that's um, like nine one one, but like it, for her, for all sorts like of resources. Before, before a horrible you call nine one one, call two, call two one one. Yeah, hurry and get <laughs> on a plan before the ambulance picks you up. That's right. <laughs> uh, Take care, Utah is the local group that is oh, okay. really working to connect people to resources. There are lots of healthcare advocacy groups. I mean, anyone from Voices for Utah Children to the United Way to um, the Utah Health Policy Project, any of those organizations would be able to connect you to resources mm. to help you navigate that space. But it, it is um, healthcare.gov. You know? <laughs> Simple. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, it's going to blow your mind. I know. It's very difficult this one URL. Healthcare.com. <laughs> gov. gov. It depends on who's in charge. Then it feels like a dot com. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know that's what true, I mean? That's, that's right. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it, it does just feel it like a feels a little commie. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So yeah, I I really love that because I I also think people I think we all think yeah. everyone should have access to healthcare. And one interesting thing, my little sister was born severely disabled and handicapped, um, and she was very lucky because when you are born, and yes, on her literal chart when she was born, they put FLK for funny looking kid. So it's kind of this joke that, you know, funny looking kids, they do get put on. <laughs> That's what they put on the chart, okay? I'm not saying you're wrong, like, but like, literally wow, the doctor said, we are classy. I know. Like, wait, well, does, is that what it stands for? It may stand for something else. I, all I know is my mom, it was like honestly a trauma for her because like she, if she, when she recounts the story, yeah. my little sister, obviously last child, um, I guess it's not obvious, but, um, <laughs> now we know, now, you know, she was, uh, four of four and, uh, my mom kind of will say, I was so used to having beautiful babies. Yeah. And then they were like, Oh, we got an FLK. And that's what the doctor said. So then she's like, what is that? And they're like, funny looking kid. Uh, and then she oh, was no. like, what? And she hadn't even seen her yet. And then she yeah. saw her. And my little sister was adorable. She uh -huh. looked like a little turtle. It was so cute. She was, Oh, it was so cute. But yeah, it was, things were awry and they put them on Medicare Medicaid, immediately. Yeah. I think, yeah, they put them on some socialized mm -hmm. form of medicine immediately. immediately. And so like, I mean, imagine if oh gosh, there was a syndrome or like a diagnosis. At, well, for the first nine years, she wasn't diagnosed. So anyway, it was just her healthcare bills were wild. Right. And like at one point we got a bill for over three hundred thousand dollars. Right. Oh and my gosh. The, but then what was like very upsetting was because they give you like the itemized list stuff, yeah. and it was primary children's when she was like eleven or whatever, and um, 
the government ended up paying out, I think it was somewhere closer to $40,000. Right, right. And because they could negotiate the the prices so much better than even insurance companies. So it's kind of like if you're uninsured, you would get stuck with $300,000 when really what what the government and that hospital agreed on was 40 something else yeah you know like that's like pretty freaking different and if you don't have like the bartering power of the government to like lower that bill right. you know well, or, or now imagine english isn't your first language mm-hmm. oh my gosh or yeah. you're undocumented right right and i and there are just so many layers of complications to all of these you know navigating all of these systems and i just really think I mean, I know because I'm in a system that's really working actively to do better. I know yeah. we can do better. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I know that that could be, those lessons could be learned across learned. this country. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. Healthcare. So it's so interesting how it like, I think it touches everybody. It does. It does. You know? It's like one of those universal things where every single person is either affected by having it or not having it. It's that's like right. women in birth control. Yes. So, so, I mean, just as an example, right? Like I truly knocked on doors from Farmington to the edge of Lake Powell and Big Water. Oh, nice. I talked to people all over the state. And I mean it when I say across political lines, the stories that I heard would just leave me gutted. You Mm -hmm. know, people talking about their 55-year-old brother who had had a stroke, who was able to get, you know, had employer-based health care, but then because of the stroke, like the amount of time that it took to get into a different, you know, was unable to work, right. then loses the healthcare, then gets into the, you know, oh gets gosh. onto a system. But in that span of time, loses cr- a critical window in his rehabilitation. Yeah. That, you know, I remember that woman in North Salt Lake. I remember, Dang. you know, people just like, oh, truly, oh, I could tell you story after story after story. And the ones that like really stayed with me were of course around mental health care because we have an absolute crisis in this state and the lack of access, the inability to get, you know, how expensive it is, how expensive it is. So many layers around mental health care. That's another area that I'm particularly passionate about. But yeah, I I also know, as you were saying, right? Like, I don't know. I wish I did. I don't know a Utah who hasn't been touched by, um, the loss of, you know, a loved one to suicide or, um, or frankly, like pretty, challenging mental health concerns. Yeah. Yeah. It's really true. Yeah. I've had some friends do, you know, stays in mental hospitals and he kind of was like, they were charging me $12,000 a day. And I was like, you should have just gone to the Grand America, ordered some room service. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, people can't get the help they need. Seriously. They can't. And I mean, stand, staying at the Grand America sounds much better than being locked in a room. Than group therapy. Maybe. It depends <laughs> on what you need. Yeah, right? Exactly. Listen. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's so true. But yeah, that's that's really interesting. I also saw something about food scarcity. Yeah. So I'm also working on nutrition security. Yeah. So when we're thinking about the issue... I, well, I, I like that better because that means like not just eating... But eating nutritional things. Right, right. I like this. You know, because also if you go, well, I mean, the truth is in our system, food is available. In this country, we waste almost 40% of the food, right? So the reason we're thinking about it, I'm thinking about it in my line of work now, in terms of nutrition security, is just how important it is to really be thinking about, kind of as you're hinting at, uh, relevant food, nutritious food. Um, You know, often when people end up at a place where they're able to just pick up food 
it might be nutritious. It might be fresh vegetables and fruits. That's unusual, right? Um, I was just at an event that had some takeaways that had, you know, food in it. It had those sugary, um, those really, uh, they are very good. Those sugar (laughs) cookies that are like, but but you know, they last like a really long time. Yeah. 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 Scary. That kind of food (laughs) often ends up back right in the system and people are able to come get it. But we know that when we think about the cost of, um, that on your long-term health. Yeah. Um, that's so true. You know, those kinds of meals. I mean, I was again, raised on like ramen and mac and cheese. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that, was pretty good at the time, but I think, yeah. um, you know, thinking about what kind of food interventions there might be, yeah, whatever we can do to get healthier food and make it easy for people is, is another part of the system, but also just access to food is so critical when we think about older individuals yeah. and their ability to stay healthy or to live alone yeah. or to heal after, you know, a medical experience. And, you know, I mean, it's important for everyone, but also thinking about what hunger does to kids and their yeah, the inability to the stress to focus in school, mm-hmm. you know, all of those kinds of things. So hunger is, you know, an absolute crucial issue. And then tying that into getting people to access to really Healthcare. nutritious food is something I'm also pretty excited to be working on. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's interesting, you know, saying like, Oh, I grew up on Mac and cheese and top ramen. I totally did Same. too. I love beef. I still top crave. Ramen. Yes. Top ramen. Yeah. It's, it's special, <laughs> but, um, it's interesting because I think at least for me, I grew up with eating that, but also having access to vegetables, also having, being able to grab a piece of fruit or something like that. And the education around that just kind of came naturally as I was growing up and like, you know, having those things in my home. But I feel like now it's so much harder to get fresh food in your home. It's, it can be so expensive for people to get the fresh food for how big their family is and stuff like that. So they're at a, they're at another uphill battle just with the cost of everything that they need to be able to get. That's right. And then I also think too, and one of the, it's hard to say I'm grateful for this, but I think in COVID, some of the things that many people knew were happening became uh, apparent to many more people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about the food system and distributing food and getting food out, the food bank, whatever method that might be, the the knowledge came or it was more clear to people, I think, that they, like exactly as you're saying, fresh fruits and vegetables can be hard to come by. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting those things in a timely manner, even knowing what to do with them, but having the right ones for your heritage, for your cultural background. Mm -hmm. You know, do you you have the kinds of things that are common in your family as as a thing that you would cook or not? Yeah, and I saw too, like the the schools and other places saying hey a kid can eat here for free yeah. or come and get a lunch because and it, it was one of those things where a lot of people were unaware that some kids that's their one yeah. guaranteed meal and when i was growing up that was the case for us for a while that that was our guaranteed meal we would try to go early for breakfast because right. that was two yeah that was you got to have two <laughs> yeah yeah and actually right now is something that i i think in, I'm not sure if people are totally aware, but one of the decisions the Biden administration made was to extend the free lunch program. Yeah. So if there are kids, if you have kids that aren't even in school, they can get lunch at that school. They can get breakfast at that school. So that is something, your neighborhood school. Yeah, right. That is something that I'm just like, you just think about how mind-blowing that is. But for a family 
that cannot make ends meet. That's to huge. take those meals off the table in terms of the cost that that family exactly. has to. Yeah, now, they can pay to have their electricity on. It's like yes, that kind of a situation. It truly is. Or it's an either homes. or. And then exactly. we can razzle dazzle them with a fruit and a vegetable. Yes. Uh, hey. Razzle dazzle. Oh. <laughs> you <Hey>. know. <laughs> like oh, that's like what's so funny about things. Like obviously being a liberal, it's very easy to be like this is so obvious. And like what I've learned in politics is oftentimes individuals don't disagree with this sentiment. They are like totally on board. But then I don't know what happens. Something happens on the television. I won't name names of stations, but (laughs) suddenly they're like, screw those kids. They should be hungry. And you're like, why? Why would you think that? Why would you think that? But they don't really. That's like what I, I, I believe few people are actually evil. And so I'm like, I think if you really sat down with, I don't actually, I, I can't. You can't think sit. of anybody. Yeah, I was, because I know. Like my dad, okay? So okay. my dad, God bless now his soul. Now we're getting to it. Okay. <laughs> Meat and potatoes. He's a, he's, yeah, he's like, he's, he's, all, he's all into that Fox world, you know? YouTube algorithm's all jacked up. I know he's listening to this, and I know you agree. But I know that he would never want a kid to go hungry. I right. know that. Right. I know that. And, and I'm s- guessing if you asked him if he thought we were doing healthcare right in this country, he would say absolutely he'd not. He'd say no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's what's so funny is I'm like, how do we get Mitch McConnell on board? <laughs> well, I don't know. That's a, that's actually a longer conversation. Like, I think than we what need we to have. meet with Satan himself. You're asking too and much. Satan can lobby. <laughs> Satan's Mitch like, McConnell. Not himself. my fault. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, yeah. Yes. they're like, I don't know him. He's like insulted to be associated. Oh my gosh. Oh lord. Oh, have like backdoor <sighs> conversations. Okay, so I have another question for you because this is something that I get sad about, and you ran for politics. And some days I'm like, when I grow up, I'll run for politics, even though I'm do grown it. up. But <laughs> you should do it one day. But what about how gerrymandered Utah is? Mm. How do you think about that? Because it makes me sad. Yeah. Do you know, think it is? Like it is, right? Like ye- Salt Lake City is sliced like a pie? Yes. Yes. Um, so what I think is... For the is, people on the call who don't know what that is, like yeah. on the podcast, can you like break things down? Gerrymandering? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you want to do it or you want me to? Yeah. Okay. So this. every 10 years, lines are drawn for um, actually all of our seats. So with the congressional, we have four. Right now, um, you know, a bunch of them take a bite out of Salt Lake County. Mm -hmm. Um, Three of them do. Uh, We know that our state legislature seats are also getting redrawn, school board seats all the way down the line, okay? So people right now, actually, if you're listening to this in the moments that are around, I guess, what, like October, um, you know, 2021, you can engage in this process right now. So there is an opportunity to go to, and I think it is just, if you just searched Utah redistricting, you would find the sites. There's a a legislative commission, and then there's so one that comes out of our state legislature, and then there's also the independent uh, commission that is working to draw maps that will be recommended to our legislature. There's actually a meeting, um, I think this Friday in Glendale. So don't, if you're listening, too late. But if you, <laughs> you can still connect and you yeah. still can produce maps and send in your ideas and talk about what matters to you. You can make your own map. You can make your own map and you can submit it. Yeah. Typography. Oh my gosh. Sounds fun, doesn't we it? We got to get Sam G on the call. We do have 
geographer. geographer. Master yeah. degree geographer. I'm going to make I her don't know if that maps. helps. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> she seems to know maps. Yeah. There you go. Let's draw some maps. That'll be fun. So the basic premise that I stand by and the one that we voted for as Utah voters, right, was an independent redistricting commission. And what the central premise of that was is that voters should get to pick their politicians not yeah. the other way around. Right. So we shouldn't have politicians picking what their districts look like so that they can win them. Right? Yeah. Um, or so that they're favored necessarily one way or the other. I would like to see fair maps. Yeah. We know that if you uh, look at the number, I mean, there's a growing number of just independents in our state. Yeah. Um, if you look at the number of independents uh, plus Democrats, it's equal to oh. our you know number of registered Republicans. I think nice. it's actually just a little bit bigger. Ooh. Though a number of our independents tend to lean right. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. okay. But really, when you think about the kinds of ways that our state is changing, how quickly our state is changing, yeah. my hope is that in this... In this redistricting process, that these maps are fair. Right. And I don't, you know, what that means to me is that we try to respect natural boundaries, keep cities together, try to keep yeah. counties together when possible, but also really work to ensure that there's a sense of fairness. Yeah. Because I think when you were going back to Mitch McConnell, right, the reason that our government isn't getting things done is because we have hyper-partisan seats yes. where people have to be as extreme as possible. Yes. Right. Sometimes on the left, but this is what something we're seeing much more on the right right yeah. now, mm -hmm. where people have to deny the results of the 2020 election right. to be considered a viable candidate in their district. That is so That is living... Up. In a fantasy, right? Yeah, it's um, so messed up for like the voters, for the person, yes. like for the country. It's all just screwy. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, it's like the gateway to fascism as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yes. So yeah. we have to have fair, we have to have equal access to, like we have to have fair voting laws. Yeah, first yeah, of all, right? yes. But Texas we also have to have, <laughs> part of that is having fair districts, right? And so when you have fair districts that are drawn reasonably, then I think we could have a much healthier politic. Yeah, you know? because then it's like, okay, well, I like my district is, you know, fifty percent Republican, thirty percent Democrat, and you know whatever percent independent. independent. So I actually have to be a lot more centrist in order to win because obviously there's going to be a Democrat running in this pursuit. Right, right. So it just automatically creates like actual civil discourse. Yes. Because, and then, and then it's also very health, healthy for voters because then they can be like, I don't have to agree with everything everyone thinks. Right, right. I can agree with 75%, yes. you know, yeah. and like be comfortable but I would say one that. of the other pieces of this too, right, is that we're very focused, I think, on our congressional districts. We mm -hmm. want those maps to be fair. We need to be equally as focused on what's happening at our city council level. And school boards. Our county council has districts, right? Yeah. Our school boards, our legislature, because those are up right now. And honestly, I know it's like a lot less sexy and it's a lot less fun, but those seats, the people in those seats have a bigger impact in your day-to-day -day life then yeah, honestly true. do the people in Washington who are getting almost nothing done. Yeah. So I think very true. I would really ask people to orient themselves around getting super educated about who represents them at the local level. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think it's a good point. Like we are, it, Washington's the loudest, right? Mm -hmm. It's everything that we hear all the time, whether we want to or not. 
when in all reality, we are directly affected by where we are. Yes. We're not in Washington. Right. Like, and the, uh, quite honestly, I don't want to be there right now. Like, it's a dumpster fire over there. Yeah. Yeah. And so here, it's like, well, if we have the chance to make a difference here... Maybe we work from the inside out kind right, of a thing, you right. know? And we've got city council seats up right now. Um, so, you know, I don't know where the majority of your listeners are, but city council elections are happening all over the state. Yeah. Um, we've got right here in Salt Lake City a number of opportunities to think about who we want representing us on our city council. And many of those people, truly, I mean it, if you go on their social media or if you jump on their website, you can call and talk to them. Oh, nice. <laughs> like, wow. like, you can just call them up. And you should, you yeah. know, because I think that those relationships really matter when we think about what kind of future we want to build here, what really matters to us in terms of things like safety, sustainability, yeah. um, you know, what kind of housing solutions we want to see come to this part of the state. Um, we really need to have people who we can personally engage with, and you can. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it, personally engage with. We don't get that with the dummies I've in tried Washington. to personally engage with my local senator yeah the state, state senator, senator yeah uh-huh. um but i don't really have a lot of gripes with my state senator actually i live right where i need to great but i also have had gripes with uh i've i've uh i've emailed mike lee a couple times yeah i mean i have too i i i mean if you haven't and you're listening <laughs> I, to this call please stop like oops. and go email him right now <laughs> email him to please save the great salt lake yes <laughs> nice oh yeah God. Yeah. Oh, it's just so frustrating. Oh, man. It is frustrating, but I will say that that's where you can have, take any of that energy and focus it into your local And draw a map. Draw a map. Draw a map. (laughs) For real, because gerrymandering is like the one thing that really actually makes me very sad. Yeah. Because it's like, how do you, you can't win when they're... It's kind of like playing Monopoly with my sister, and that's what it reminds me of. Sarah, I love you, but... It's the same thing. It's well, she's gonna put money under the board. <laughs> she's gonna lie about free parking. Got it. And that's Sherry Mandarin. It's just why play? Why play? Why monopoly? play? Okay, so here's why. Yeah. And I mean this. Okay. So the district that I ran in, and it's the second congressional district that will look different next time it comes up. But like I said, it goes up to Farmington. It's downtown Salt Lake City, all the way down to Sugar House. It cuts basically off there. And goes out to Tooele, actually all the way out to Wendover, down all the way to St. George. It has Grand Staircase in it. It doesn't Which have... makes a lot of sense because the people in Farmington and the people in Lake Powell actually have the same interests. Okay, but actually they do. <laughs> they do? So this is the thing that I think was so frustrating to me mm-hmm. and also was so kind of uplifting about the experience, even though it was not a winning race, right? Is you go talk to people about healthcare. Mm-hmm. They all feel like they're getting screwed. Yeah. You go talk to people about the environment, about protecting natural spaces, about if they'd rather have Grand Staircase protected or bought up by oil and gas developers so they can hunt or recreate on it. We agree, right? Like we want those places protected. Yeah. You talk to them about getting big money out of politics. They agree. You talk to them about taxing billionaires yeah. so that people who are, you know, making regular money, regular people, that so that they can have Roads, healthcare, so that they could have healthcare, healthcare, Jeff Bezos, right? So that they could have these basic, basic things. They agree, but you touched on this earlier. Mm -hmm. They also there's a huge portion of the population that is exclusively getting their news from places that exist to sow doubt, Mm -hmm. yeah, and to help people believe the narrative 
that somebody else out there is ahead of them getting something that Mm -hmm. they deserve. Yeah. And that is, that has corrupted, I think, individuals, um, sense of connectedness and even critical thinking in a way that was kind of terrifying to me. Yeah. Um, and I've told this story before, but I'll tell it really quickly. I was knocking on doors in Delta, Utah. Nice. Talked to a woman and her sister. They were older. Clearly they, you know, didn't have a lot, but they welcomed me into their home. And, uh, you know, we talked about, they were a union family. Um, a lot of the union jobs there had, have left yes. right yeah. um, over the years, and they really had become personally the two of them more and more conservative over the years. And I will say, as I'm standing in their living room talking to them, Fox News is on behind me, right? You're like, I love this. And they say, "What do you, you know, tell me where you're at on immigration?" And I, you know, said, "I'm the daughter of an immigrant to this country. I think that we need to have systems that work for people that are, you know, in some cases, I, I." really understand the need, especially in this state, to tie opportunities to jobs. Yes. We have yeah. a, you know, a real need for a number of jobs in this state. Yep. I would love to see us be able to work quickly to address those by yeah. fixing some of our immigration laws. Yeah. But also believe that we should have an oper- you know, a, a, a safe and humane process yes. that is efficient. Right. Um, and that is, you know, that doesn't leave people waiting in line for decades. Yes. Right. Yes. That's un- completely unacceptable to me. Right. And she was like, well, here's what I'm mad about. I'm mad about, you know, these people who are here illegally on the government dime, getting their hair done and driving nice cars and having their nails done. And truly, reminder, I'm in Delta, Utah. And I turn around and I look out her front door. And I was like, who? (laughs) Here? Like, is this happening in Delta? your neighbor? (laughs) Yeah. And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. We actually have a very nice Mexican family. They go to church with us. They're lovely. They've been working really hard to try to, you know, get right with the government. Like they're trying to do it the right way, but they're running into all these problems. And I was like, okay, so you can, you can understand this. You understand how fundamentally broken this is for a family that you know. Yeah. But you spend the day listening to stories that are not true. Yeah. Right? Or it's one thing that happens once and that becomes your narrative, even though you know someone who defies that narrative. Yeah. That confirmation bias, it's it's pretty intense. It is very intense, right? But it's also, it's not just confirmation bias. It's truly a a fire hose of information that's confirming over and over again mm-hmm. a particular set of narratives about yeah. what this country looks like. And that's troubling to me. Yeah. It's funny too because um, my dad, you know, love you. Uh, he always says... <laughs> Is he really a listener? Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. Dad. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's been mentioned many a time. Tim, yeah. you're great. We love you, Tim. We love him. Um, he... I forgot what I was going to say. What was that? I was talking about listening to Fox News and just like being at the fire hose of like a particular oh, narrative. Yeah. While, while you're gathering yeah. your thoughts on that, it's interesting. I was talking to my boss about Fox News specifically um, because she decided at the beginning of like when the election started heating up last year, she followed every senator, every House representative, as many people as she could on Twitter across every... Like, Republican, didn't matter what it was. She followed everybody. And as she did that, she started to learn more and more about, like, the news industry and what's actually happening. Mm. Fox News and CNN are classified as entertainment, period. They're They're not 
technically whole sections of their programming are entertainment. Yeah, exactly. like the including Tucker Carlson, yeah. like all of those ones, the, even the news section that they have for po- politics is actually classified as entertainment CBS. in their business. So would you go to CBS or NBC or like so NPR? I go to NPR. <laughs> I go to NPR. <laughs> so does my dad. That's a funny thing. Wow, interesting. I know. He yeah. is. He is an anomaly. Sounds like a complex guy. He's very complicated. <laughs> that man. We'll have to have him on. Oh, yes, Lord. have him on. We need to know more. Know. Yeah, we'll be like, here's a constituent. Uh, he's, yeah. No, but it is, they do have a fire hose of information that is constantly confirming things, but then also, like, oh, I remember what I was going to say. My dad, he often would reference, like, the liberal snowflake, you know? Like, we're so weak. We have, like, we're just, we're just really upset about pronouns, mostly, <laughs> Um, and what's ironic is I actually see on all ends of the spectrum, like a victim mentality, right? right? And that's mm-hmm. kind of what they peddle because I think that's what makes people actually feel the most hopeless and the most angry is believing that they've been victimized, which in a lot of cases, obviously, I'm that's sure, yeah, like the, you can feel victimized, but at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, with your story, they felt personally victimized by that hypothetical illegal immigrant taking taking, going and getting their nails done you know and they felt like personally victimized by that and and that's what makes me sad is like the politics I want to see are like actually like inspiring like what what in your life is going well and what can we make even better not like what's horrible and it's because of them and so we're just going to yell at them for you and we're not going to do anything about it, but we'll, we're mad too, you know, right. like. Yeah. Right, and I think, you know, the recent um, news that came out about Facebook and Instagram, I think oh, is another yes. really interesting component of that, right? Because oh, yeah. what we saw is that there was a privileging of outrage. Yes. So the more yes. people are outraged, yes. the more you see it, right? And that is hard too, right? Because I think it also pulls attention towards national politics where like an outrage is is an easier response right then and people do get outraged about local decisions but they're not always as engaged right so when Mm -hmm. you're thinking about again how we elevate local politics or understand what's happening in our own backyard versus getting sucked into this vortex of you know, information. And it's tough because, you know, like I, I actually have to say one of the nice things about not being in public office right now is I don't really feel like I have to engage on Facebook. I don't right. really feel like I yeah. have to educate. educate. Yeah. I do it on Instagram because I care and I'm, you know, always yeah. basically putting things in my story to kind of help people track local news or follow things that I hope that they're interested in. But I don't need to be on Twitter where outrage is really driving things and I don't need to be on Facebook that just feels completely out of... I'm, I'm like so overwhelmed by it right now. Um, yeah. But Instagram's, I mean, same company, you know? But yeah. I do feel like there's something about the space that I've tried to cultivate that is really tying people to information and action. Yes. Um, and I try to do that in my stories. Yeah, I think that Facebook and Instagram, even though they're from the same company, they were made for two different political parties. Yeah. Or maybe age groups. Age groups age. too, but I I do feel that the political you, you think party like Instagram, CNN, yes, is Fox, Fox. News. Oh, it's like something that. that I've seen just over time, based off of the posts that I see, right? Mm-hmm. Based off of what I saw during the election on Facebook, and then what I saw on Instagram, whether it was Could like also promoted. Be who you follow. Well, that's what yeah. I was just gonna say. It 
obviously that's also going to play a part in it. But then even further than that, you go outside of my own account, you go to somebody else's account and there's a theme, you know, when it comes to politics and stuff in different platforms. Definitely exposed to different information. Yes. And different misinformation. That's right. So Shireen, we, um, found that the NRA rated you 0%. That's right. I got a 0%. And How do you? Yeah, you because I took the form that they gave me and mm-hmm. I put it on a target. And I just shot it up. I never filled it out. Really? No, I never oh, shot I at like, it. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like <laughs> wow, wow, way to go. That they'd give you at least a point for that. Yeah, like at that point, that's the like, best way to send that back. I know. You tell me. Just like blow it away. Yeah. No. They'd be like, a 100%. She <laughs> hates bureaucracy. She has a God. Yeah. <laughs> they would have loved it. I know. So to be real, though, I did grow up um, in North Dakota, mm-hmm. um, where I would say the relationship that even in a house with a non-hunters, I mean, just yeah. like my mom basically and me, we had a 22, you know, like I grew up in a community that actually does hunt a lot. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, when I think about like, for example, just this week, we're hearing the story of the tragic loss of life of, and now I'm forgetting it, the University of Utah football player at a house party, right? Yeah. Oh. So when we're thinking about gun violence to me, like those are the kinds of stories that are, that really stick with me and that I'm really thinking about in terms of, we also just saw the data come out that in 2020, yeah. a oh my huge murders. spike in murders and guns, of course, are a big part of that. It was like also, 78% of all the murders were Right. Guns. guns. And also for me, and I should say though, we're still lower than crime was in the 90s, but yeah, there was a big spike and guns were used a lot of the time. And I think for me, the other thing that is just really... Um, that weighs heavy on me is that we have, I, we talked a little bit about this, but we have a really high suicide rate yes. in the West in general. And Utah, I think, is sixth in the nation. Yeah. And part of the calculation there, or part of the reason that we're so high, is because unfortunately, so many people, when they do come to that decision, grab a gun and it's yeah. so much more likely to be lethal. Yeah. So we have so many issues for me around guns that I don't think are helped in any way by the NRA yeah, no. so I just threw away the form when yeah. they sent it to me yeah good good that had to feel good I have a stand-up bit where basically the premise is like you know these mass shootings are politicized immediately on one side you have the grieving family on the other you have the NRA and it's just so hard to choose right. <laughs> and like that's how it feels with gun violence is like okay so we have a serious problem and we have a lot of people who are grieving who, like, want to fix it. And it, like, weighs heavy on them. And they have, like, a personal experience with some form of gun violence. And then also, like, hunters. And, like, there's all this – there's a lot of complex nuance. And then yeah. you see, like, a giant corporation. Basically, I know they pretend that they're not. But well, and also they, bankrupt. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's the way you want to rule people out of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Including corporations. So, yeah, then they just come in and they lobby and they try to save their own skin, obviously. Like, yeah, it makes sense why, I guess, but also not really because right. how do you politicize Sandy Hook? Like, I was just like, that's oh, that disgusting. was yeah. in, infe- I mean, it's still happening right so, now. So, yeah, like, way to go. Yeah. yeah, honestly, that's like, a you should be so proud. Yeah. I try to spend uh, as little time as possible. Not doing things that make no sense to me. <laughs> I like that. The NRA form, you're like, mm, 
nope. I'm not gonna. She noped right yeah. out of that. Form. Thank you and no thank you. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, that's something to be proud of. So uh you mentioned your partner is an educator. Yeah. Um how do you feel how in your home, how do you feel education's going here in this state? Oh, so, well, this is an interesting question. So my husband teaches um, at Judge. So we're in the Catholic school system. Okay. Cool. And I have to say this last year, when we were trying to figure out what to do with our little guy, um, I am in a deep and undying advocate for public schools. I was half public, half private growing mm-hmm. up. My mom oh, wow. taught in a Catholic high school, so I ended up going to Catholic high school. Um, but... We ultimately, and for me, it's been a difficult decision that I'm really happy with the school that we're at, ultimately decided to go into a private school because I believe that my school district and the individuals in my local schools are trying to make the best decisions possible for kids. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that our state legislature as a body with a Republican supermajority was giving those schools the ability to make the decisions they needed to make to keep kids safe. Yeah. Like pandemic wise or just general education. I would say I feel like it extends beyond that. Yeah. 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 Um, particularly putting, you know, a kindergartner in school. Um, I am, privileged enough to have the opportunity to be able to do that. And I did that. And mm-hmm. it's a, it was a difficult decision because it's not in line with my values totally. Yeah, um, right. Again, I'm very happy with the school that I'm at. I'm incredibly grateful for the work the teachers have done. But they also put a safety plan in place that made me feel comfortable. Yeah. And again, just complete position of privilege. And I understand that. Um, but wow, I feel for the schools that yes. had to make really difficult decisions for the educators who were making terribly difficult decisions yeah. because of the ways they were um, constrained by our state legislature. Right, yeah. That's a good way of Kind of getting it. hamstrung. Is that the... That's right, yeah. yeah. And and I think, you know, when I think about things like even just... And, and they'll say over and over again, well, they've really done a lot to increase school funding. We are one of the lowest. We're often show up as the lowest in per pupil spending. That means per student we right. spend less than almost anybody else. And when you ask these teachers, yes, there are more resources coming back into our schools. There have been over the last few years. That is important. And those who have been fighting and working for that deserve our praise. But they talk about the ways that support systems in the classroom have been rolled back. Um, we still have very large classroom sizes. Yeah, we do. Right? Um, so many of these factors are still going on. And when you talk to educators, when you talk to administrators, you get a picture that shows that we could be doing a lot more. And I think especially in a state where we have so many children, it's disappointing to me that we constantly are in this fight around funding our public schools when most people choose that as their school. The vast majority of Utahns, over 90% of Utahns, are choosing their neighborhood public school as their school. And that should really be where our resources are going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And you would think, you would think... Because they love to have children here. <laughs> They're just having babies right and left that they would want those babies to like... Be in good schools. Yeah. But but it's not just schools, right? So our public school system, I think, is a space where we could be doing better. We're, we're getting better. But we mm-hmm. could be doing a lot better, right? But we also know that this is a state that really lacks the number of child care seats that we need. Yes. So we don't have early childhood care at the, yeah. at the level yes. that the we jump. need. And it's so expensive for families to be able to access that in large part demand, right? Yeah. Um, but also so many people, and I think, you know, I support if, I mean, my goodness, like, I don't know if I would have been a good, um, you know, stay at home parent, but if people make that decision and that's the right decision for their family, completely support it. Love yeah. that. Love that. If 
you would like to be in the workplace and the reason you can't be is because of access to healthcare or the cost of healthcare, something's out of whack. Yes. Um, so that's a place where I, I'm, I'm excited to see. We've been hearing more about that in our state legislature and out of our governor. Um, I, I hope that people really, you know, take the time to let people in their um, legislature, so contact mm-hmm. your representatives and let them know that those opportunities that we have to expand access to childcare is critically important for many of the issues that we're facing as Utahns. Yeah, it really is because, yeah, it, it really, it can derail a whole family. Like it really can because maybe eventually you have the oldest child taking care of the youngest child and doing a lot of parental responsibilities such that their education suffers. Right. Things like, you know, it's not just the parents, it's the whole, the family as a whole can crumble. Including people around the family. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not just the family, you know, sometimes other people have to step in and help and then those relationships can crumble and it's Mm -hmm. a cascading effect for a lot of people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I just have a car payment. (laughs) I just have to pay for a parking spot. That's right. (laughs) Not to be Gotta take care of your baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my baby. <laughs> my baby that I like secretly hope someone rear ends. I'm like, totally. Yes. Please, I'm done. <laughs> I really did. I had a car I loved, and then someone hit it and ruined it, and I was sad. And then I was like, never again. I will never get my heart broken like that again. So, yeah. as well, principal, I buy cars that I don't care about now. But now she just wants to get hit. So I think that maybe this is a safety hazard. Yeah. Yeah. It's an extreme action. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to do it. Because I want it it to pay for my new car. Right. (laughs) So... All right, so okay, let's go over the websites these our peeps need to know about healthcare.gov. Yeah. Google Legislative Utah Maps. Yep. So if you just search uh, Utah redistricting, Utah. you're going to find the Independent Redistricting Commission, and you're also going to find the Legislative Redistricting Commission. Wonderful. Both of them are having public meetings right now, and both have websites that you can engage in. So cool. I recommend that people do that. Awesome. Anything else for the mobile healthcare clinic, or anything for food? Nutrition. Nutrition security. Security. So the place, the like kind of catch all for a number of resources, whether it's rent relief and support, which is still available, people should know. Um, we still have rental support that can go back a number of months if people were impacted by COVID, whether it's childcare, actually, whether it's um, mm-hmm. healthcare, as we discussed, or nutrition security, 211 is the number that you can call that will connect you to a person who can help you navigate a whole host of uh, questions. So, and actually even mental health, like that's a place where you can call. So 211 is a great, a great number to know, but I recommend if people aren't already following, like if you're on um, social media, if you're on, you know, Facebook, or I I think they're across all the platforms, but like, for example, the Utah Health Policy Project has a lot of information around healthcare and accessing healthcare. Um, there are so many places where you can get connected, but I, I also allow people to slide into my DMs. Yeah. I'll find you what you need. Um, but Aww. right now, um, when we think about like mobile health clinics or opportunities like that, um, Salt Lake, so I'm guessing most of the listeners are in Salt Lake County. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Salt Lake Health. Uh, so, so the Salt Lake County Health Department has regular updates on, you know, mobile clinics, um, as if we see, for example, boosters, like the boosters for Pfizer are available now, yes. and there could be uh. others, as we see, hopefully, here in the short term, um, 
uh, the age drop so that we have younger kids who are right. uh, able to access the, the COVID vaccine, but then flu shots, whatever it might be, your local health authority. So in this case, Salt Lake County Health uh, Department is really good about, you know, sharing out information. And so you can find a lot of uh, public health resources there. There, like call them, find them, follow, follow Shireen. Oh, like. Gorbani. Nailed it. I almost said, I almost put the R in the wrong place. Yeah. I just have to think of how it's spelled because I realized I was nailing it the whole time. So, yeah. So thank you so much for coming to other people's stories. And I really hope to have you on again, especially when something magical happens around this area. Oh, yes. I love this. Yes. I hope it's like... A magic a tree yeah. or a, <laughs> a magic tree or an election? Yeah, yeah an election. Exactly. We have options. Yes. yes. Who knows? The Who sky's knows? our limit. Yes. yes. Yeah, and of course, like I said, truly, you can come and follow me um, on. I'm most active still on Twitter and on Instagram, and it's just Shireen S H I R E E N. And then, even though it sounds like Al Gore, Bonnie, Gore, Bonnie, it's G H O R B A N I. And I'm happy to try to connect people to resources if you've got. Questions. I've dealt with everything from wild horses to nice. Yeah, where to get your COVID vaccine? So <laughs> she knows it all. She's I will find you the well resource. And don't forget to call two one one before nine one one. That's if right. You're uninsured. They should really. They should that look into, into that. <laughs> you know, because then then you find out that. Or take care, Utah. Yeah, that'll, take care, Utah. That'll, that'll connect you too. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.